Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Alan, we're still wrapping up the we're third annual up. Princeton Summit, Smart Driving Cars Summit. It's been quite an event. Yes, it has been a, I think, very successful event. I'm very happy. Uh, not everything went perfectly, but uh, how can it? That's not the question. We were a little, um, some sessions lasted a little longer. Why? Because people had a lot of uh, good information to exchange, and uh, it was really solid. Joining us is Lele Shinohara, Vice President at RoboSense, a maker of, of LiDAR. Thank you for joining us, Lele. Thank you very much. Well, tell us, for, for people who aren't familiar with LiDAR and the different ways that, that, that it's being implemented today, give us a little bit of background on what RoboSense is doing. Um, okay, the RoboSense is, uh, we are doing a couple of the different type of the LiDARs. It's mainly, it's focused to use on the uh, autonomous driving on the ADAS the system. So then we have the mechanical, uh, the, the traditional way the LiDAR, also all the, uh, really the auto, autonomous greatest uh, the LiDAR we are doing is memory solid state LiDAR. So then we are targeting this one to the mass production in the next uh, uh, two, three years. So then this is our the key point. Well, one of the one of the things that uh, we've talked about here and even on our podcast is the need to make this uh, affordable and maybe even use it beyond uh, autonomous vehicles as a safety feature. Tell yeah. us what your thoughts are. So, um, the, for the safety, so then this is all. Uh, uh, let's say the lighter is not only used for the automotive. So then, uh, if you look at the, the bigger the use cases, is the uh, um, the uh, uh, let's say the industry automation. So then the industry automation. So then and uh, to do the for example the uh, autonomous uh, uh, robot. So then it's it's running inside our the manufacturer side. So then so they inside are, factories and things yeah. you're talking about using it on robots. Exactly. So then they, this kind of all the use cases are one of the biggest and also it's a very high uh, requirement requested for the safety uh, for the safety issue. So because those robots are only do the uh, detection and the localization with the lidar. So then the, which means the lidar has to make sure it do not hurt on the people. It's to have have to be have a very very a high reliable and uh, for the operation. So then this is come to the autonomous driving. The later the uh, fully autonomous driving, this will be the same. So the and the safety is the biggest challenge and also all the biggest uh, the um, let's say the aspect for the autonomous driving. So you have to make sure the AD vehicles the system are very very reliable and do not make any the mistake to hurt the people or, or hurt even hurt the animals or the infrastructures. Yeah. So that's all very important. What are you looking for as a price point for these things? Have you discussed that a little bit? or? Uh, yes, that is uh, true. So then, as uh, as today's the uh, let's say the workshop. So then, yeah. and uh, we had such kind of a discussion as well. So, uh, I I told a story. So the before when I was going to the OEM. So then they are doing the level three so autonomous yeah. driving. So then at the beginning I say okay. So then I can make it the five hundred US dollars to yeah. to you. So then they, they say okay. So the, you can get out from the room. So then we are looking for something and uh, cost them much less than that yeah so then less they, than, they want less than 500 that is for sure so then because if you look at the current uh, the sensors uh, installed on the autonomous car the level three and it can be a 
achieved with uh, the radar and uh, with the camera. So then, but with very, very limited, uh, 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 let's say, the cases, use cases. So then, the radar and the camera, they are cost less than 100 US dollars. So then, the autonomous uh, the OEM, so then, uh, they can accept uh, the LiDAR with the higher cost. But they cannot accept the cost, which is five or six times more, or even ten times more than the the conventional the sensors like the camera on the radar. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's where you have to be. Is you have to be there, but you have confidence that in volume you're going to get there soon, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. So then it's uh, uh, now the good thing is for the autonomous industry is uh, um, the let's say the volume is really getting uh, growing quite a high. So then this is in the order of a couple hundred thousand pieces per year. The volume. So then with such kind of the volume, so then we can get to the uh, cost down quite dramatically. Yeah. So uh, what's your field of view on these uh, on these lidars? And uh, uh, the M1 is 120 degrees so horizontally, so then the vertical is 25 degrees. Yeah, so um, one of the uh, issues with, um, with automated emergency braking systems is that basically they have trouble uh, when they have, have a stationary object ahead and they really can't differentiate uh, as reliably as they would like the fact that it's an overpass and not a vehicle that's parked or, or a rock that is stationary in the road ahead. And if you have uh, that sort of uh, field of view, you should be able to really uh, define the tube ahead as opposed to just the surface ahead to make sure that you do have a, a clean driving tube ahead uh, without, uh, without an obstruction. Is that how we're looking at using some of these things? In, in just the safety piece of these vehicles, the automated emergency braking piece? I said that's a, absolutely that is true. So then um, the camera, including the camera or the radar, so then they always have some of the, uh, the issues so in such a, the, the, the case is a stationary object on the road. So yeah, then uh, the yeah. radar especially, especially because it's bouncing all over the place and you really don't know where the signal is coming from. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So then this is a strong point uh, for the LiDAR. So then the LiDAR is, can really provide a very accurate uh, detection on the free space. So then, the most of the OEM also uh, they are they want to use in the lidar because uh, uh, this uh, let's say uh, this the performance is much much better than the radar. So then uh, also uh, in comparison to the, uh, the camera, so then uh, it do not uh, be let's say disturbed by the light condition. So then uh, this is uh, we put it together. So then the lidar it's in such situation really 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 very good in comparison to the others. Yeah. And I suppose, Alan, that's one of the main cases for the use of LiDAR in these vehicles, uh, something that uh, Elon Musk at Tesla has famously said is it needed. Well, that's what I think. I think there, there's, uh, there's an issue with some of the radars, and in fact, uh, you can't uh, really determine what the free space ahead is, and the free space is just not the the, the horizontal surface space, but it's yeah. the whole envelope that you have to pass through 
in order to not have a collision as you're going down the road. And, 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 and at certain and, speeds, automatic emergency braking simply isn't working. Well, they turn with, it with off existing because speed. because you get false alarms out of from the from the radar. <clears throat> it, you know, it gets a signal that it's that's coming really from a overpass, or it's coming from a tree limb that's that you can easily pass under, and and so therefore you get these false readings, and they don't occur very often. But when they occur, then it means the brakes are going to go on. Well, if the brakes go on, uh, my goodness, <clears throat> I'm going to look and why the brakes go on? The system must not be working. I'm going to take it back to the dealer and and want my money money back so to avoid those situations you you turn it off so light yep. lidar can help to solve that problem for more information on on what you're doing what's the website people can go to lately and the uh, website you can go to the robosense.ai so then you can find all our product information and it's r-o-b-o-s-e-n-s-e dot a-i lele shinohara thank you for taking the time with us Thank you very much. Lele, thank you. So nice having you. Thank you for joining with us. Thank Hopefully you'll much. come back next year and we'll do it again. It's not, we still have work to do, won't we? Yes, there is a lot of the task to do. It's not an easy task to make the license automotive with the LiDAR. So yeah, then also yeah. it's to get the acceptance from the different uh, the, the people, from the OEM, from the, uh, the technical companies, all the researchers. So yeah, yeah there is yeah. still a lot of challenge. Yeah. So we'd love to have you back next year and see how many of the challenges we've been able to successfully negotiate or, or address and what new ones have propped up. What about the subject of law enforcement and autonomous vehicles? Staff Sergeant Terrence McDonald of the New York State Police joined us at the Smart Driving Car Summit. Give us a, a little overview of what you're doing here at the Princeton Smart Driving Car Summit. Well, the Princeton Smart Car Summit is really a collection of a variety of, of professionals in this space. And law enforcement happens to be a player in this space to ensure public safety in both the testing and deployment of these technologies. Well, tell us, from the law enforcement perspective, what some of the key issues are when it comes to bringing the te this technology onto the roads. Well, I think it, it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to realize that self-driving technology has potential criminal uh, applications as well as just what we see every day on our roads currently and how does that apply to an automated world as far as driver training, driver credentialing, driver behavior, crash and incident reporting. Um, the full gamut of law enforcement responsibilities can be affected by this new technology. So if we talk about, uh, first of all, some of the benefits, what, what are the upsides to bringing this technology into, into vehicles? And I guess it's, it's an incremental thing. We're seeing it today. True. And the driver assistance technologies that we have today have already proven themselves to be very effective at avoiding collisions. So the more that we adopt those type of technologies, even today, we can avoid collisions and we can avoid injuries and, and fatalities that result from them. As we could become more and more automated and eventually get into truly self-driving technologies, we can possibly avoid up to 94% of collisions is what the federal government tells us are human-related collisions. So 94% of the collisions that occur on our highways are human behavior 
caused collisions. So by taking the human out of the equation, we can realize some great safety gains. But still, there, there's this tremendous fear, I think, uh, and we've read about different surveys and such among the public about this technology. What are your thoughts? That is certainly something that plays into it. I do believe that we are kind of in a build it and they will come type of situation. Uh, most people have not experienced the technology, and those of us that have, while we marvel at it, it is remarkably unremarkable in how it performs. It does what it is supposed to do in most cases. And that is one of the reasons why, from what I've read, that uh, automated vehicles where they're being deployed today can be unpopular because these vehicles are obeying the letter of the law and frustrating other drivers, from what I understand. Well, communication and public education is going to be required in any type of transformative space uh, having to do with mobile, uh, mobility. So driver, drivers acting around these vehicles as well as uh, how every professional that is involved in mo the mobility world will have to change the way they do business today. And I guess you wouldn't mind seeing every vehicle obeying the speed limits, et cetera. Absolutely. I mean, that's how you get to those safety gains, which is really what brings law enforcement into a lot of this discussion. What about the interaction between law enforcement and a vehicle that has no driver? So many questions about that. Well, the technology is certainly currently under development. So there, what we try and do is give the engineers a view of our world and what we need to see happen in the vehicles. We don't tell them how to do it. We're not engineers, but we try and share with them our experiences and let them develop the technologies that will work for us. And from the perspective of the dangers of this, uh, whether it's uh, the cybersecurity that these vehicles aren't going to be hacked or these vehicles being used by criminals, how do, how do we deal with all of that? Again, a, a huge uh, undertaking, and certainly the time to make those considerations is now. Um, these aren't things that we want to see mistakes made and then think about how to fix them. We want to think about what the challenges will be and engineer them from the ground up. For more information on all this, is there a place people can go that, uh, that any data is being collected that comes to mind? Well, not so much data you're, being you're part of an organization, I guess you can tell so, us about. Yes, the American Association of Motor Vehicle Administrators has a database of reports and academic papers as well as uh, published in May of 2018 its first guidance document on the safe uh, testing and deployment of highly automated vehicles. So those are great places to start at amva.org and look at those documents, and I think uh, it would be a great education for people to do that. AMVA is currently working on their second version of this document, which is expected in December of 2019. And that, again, is org. That's correct. Sergeant Terrence McDonald, thank you for taking the time with us. My pleasure, sir. And that's it for another special edition of the podcast from the Smart Driving Car Summit at Princeton. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening.